Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And we've got Shannon Merlo back, business coach in Melbourne, who's amazing. And she did her previous podcast not long ago. And I have to say, we had to call her back as a result of it. People loved it. And I'm going to say, Shannon, interestingly, from that podcast, I actually acted on a few things that you mentioned. And one was really, really clear to me how women in business don't really look for mentors. They don't really ask for help. And I really took that on board. And I I actually started looking for mentors and that has actually transformed my business in so many ways of decision making and looking at different things. So thank you, Shannon. Oh, pleasure. And thank you for asking me to come back on and be a part of this. Amazing. This time, listeners, we're looking at different aspects of business and especially women in business, how many hats they are juggling. So not only business owners, but being a mother, perhaps a partner, they might be a daughter looking after their elderly parents. And so we're really looking at a couple of things that are challenges. So overwhelm, boundary setting, and also time for self-care. So Shannon, I'd love to know when you are coaching, especially women in business and small businesses, especially what are the major challenges they are facing? And we're going to talk about it. We're going to go dive into it in much more detail about great strategies as well. So Shannon, take it away. <laughs> well, you've hit the nail on the head with those three elements around overwhelm, boundary setting and self-care as challenges that women in life, but also in business have. One of the important things to perhaps just bring light to is that when women in particular are running a business, it's hard. Anyone running a business at any time, male or female, it's a hard job. It's one of the hardest things I think anyone will ever do. The reason why we want to talk about overwhelm, boundary setting and self-care is because we want to make the journey of running the business while integrating it with our life easier because there's always going to be customers going to be working with, there's always going to be cash flow challenges, there's always going to be trying to find the next staff member, always going to be challenges. So if we can put the bedrock down with setting really great boundaries, with working out how to prioritize our time and making sure we've got a little bit left in the tank to refuel the tank, then we're going to have more energy to deal with the difficulties of running a business. I think that sounds, like a, that sounds like a brilliant plan. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, it's like, this is all about the podcast. How can we find solutions? How can we make it a much enjoyable process? Now that's yeah. what Yes. If I start with your suggestion around overwhelm, so I want to start by talking about overwhelm as a concept because nothing has meaning except for the meaning that we give it. And we attach a whole bunch of meanings to the word overwhelm and our brains are really, really intelligent things. And when we say that we're overwhelmed, our brains will make it so. So when we say that we're busy or that we're out of control or we're frantic, then our brains will actually help us to be frantic and overwhelmed, it makes sense of the world better when our brain can conceptualize these ideas. I think it's worthwhile noting whether there are limiting beliefs around this concept of overwhelm. A great example of this is I used to coach a business owner 
And I mentioned the word frantic. She would come to our coaching and she would say to me, oh my God, I'm so frantic. Everything's out of control. And I've, there's so much on the go and I can't, and I would get actually anxious listening to her talk about how frantic and overwhelmed she was. And I hinted to her and I just made a suggestion. I wonder what would happen if you removed that language from your narrative this week, just to test. You're not allowed to say I'm busy. You're not allowed to say you're overwhelmed. You're not allowed to say that you're frantic. We caught up the next week and I said, how have you been? She's like, it's amazing. I'm so calm. I'm so relaxed. You solved it, Shannon. You solved it. (laughs) And actually there is Julie, my wonderful collaborator on another podcast, Shami, she's the most amazing mindset around productivity. She's never, ever said that she's overwhelmed. She's never, ever said that she's busy because she actually tells herself that she's super productive. She just says, I'm super productive. I'm super productive. I'm super productive. And so her brain makes it true. So I think in terms of overcoming overwhelm is just to consider what is the narrative that you're telling yourself around your capacity to do things, do all the things. That's number one. Contrasting that, however, we do have to accept that there are limits to what we can do in a day. If you're a mum and you're committed to providing an environment where your children are nurtured and cared for and listened to and engaged with, then you can't possibly be running your business 24-7 because you can't actually run the business 24-7 and be a parent while your children are in the room. It just, that limit does actually exist. Now, there's certain ways around it, but we also just have to accept that we can't always be everything to everyone. We have to accept that some things have to be deprioritized because of the values that we hold, because of the decisions that we've made in terms of our goals and our priorities. And that does some things don't happen. And if I say that my top four priorities in my life, my health, my kids, partner, and my business, then friends sit below that. And it might be that you're not as accessible to your friend network. Now, that's not saying that we shouldn't invest in our social connections because we know that that's really important, but we have to find a better way to do it. I think accepting there are limits, but at the same time, being aware, we will also create our own internal limits. So we have to be conscious of where we're sort of screwing ourselves over a little bit sometimes. <laughs> absolutely. I love what you say about the words we use and you're absolutely right there. Some people always use, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed. And it's really interesting. It literally becomes a habit. And you've really pointed out that really well of words are using. And as a result, are we reacting to those words? Mm. Is that our reality? I love what you said. And at the same time, you're right. We've got to be kind to ourselves. There's only 24 hours in a day. What can you devote your time to? And who needs it the most? There's only so much. You're absolutely right. Great Mm. tips, Shannon. So in terms of getting out of overwhelm, if we are truly in overwhelm, one of the best strategies is to write it all down. I know myself, I will often have many, many thoughts rattling around in my head and I will feel like there is so much on the plate. But actually, when I write it all down, there's not really that much. There's, it's more of the mental load that I'm using, telling myself that there's so much to do than what there is to actually do. So first step is to write it all down. And the next step is to prioritize what needs to be done by when. And there's a couple of ways that you can work through a prioritization. One that is really useful to use is called the Eisenhower Matrix. 
There's a, we can probably link to something in the show notes around the Eisenhower matrix, just so you've got a visual of it. But it's basically putting items into levels of importance and urgency. And quite often, our busy work is neither important nor urgent based on our urgency frame. And yet we end up doing it. So email that comes in where it's annoying, but it's someone else's problem or someone else's monkey because we're not managing our team properly, but we will do it because we'll get a sense of satisfaction because we're doing something, but actually it's neither important or really urgent in the greater scheme of things. So with that matrix, you can actually put your tasks into four quadrants. And it helps what we should be doing always when we're in our businesses is focusing on high importance and high urgency, high importance, anything that's high important, whether it's urgent or not urgent, that's where we need to be focusing energy and attention. If it's not important, then we shouldn't be doing it. And that's a really great way of kind of going, if all things are equal, which things should I be doing? The other way that you can prioritize tasks is impact and difficulty. So if you're able to look at a task and say this has the most amount of impact with the least amount of difficulty, then that's the task that we want to do first. And that can help us to actually churn through some activity. Absolutely. I'm laughing because I'm just thinking I've got a bit of a habit of just getting things done, even though it might not be a priority. And you've literally read my mind when you're talking about emails. (laughs) You literally just go, how did Shannon know that that's what I've got this bad habit of doing things, which is probably not urgent, not required immediately, but it's become a habit. It's become a habit it's just to get it done. And it's just mm-hmm. developing a new habit of putting it to the side, doing it later, creating a system of it. And just to add to that, I love the system of do it now, do it later, ditch it or delegate it. And it's all D's. And I use that, especially for emails to just write, delete, 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 mm-hmm. and then doing it that way. But I do have to improve on. Yeah certain tasks do not need to be done. So what a great reminder, Shannon. I won't be going into it just yet, but we're going to be talking about boundaries. I think that with our activities, uncomfortable quite often, we're setting a boundary around our availability. So we feel like we have to respond to that email straight away, or we feel like we have to take that phone call straight away. The number of times I've had clients who've said, oh, but I've got to take that call. I'm like, What do you mean you have to take that call? If you were in a meeting with a customer, you couldn't possibly take that call. It is a-okay for you to set boundaries to say, I'm not available right now and I will call you back. That is okay because the more interruptions we get, the more we will actually have that sense of overwhelm because we're not in control of our time and our energy. And every time we are interrupted, Shami, so if you know this, please tell me, but I think it's like, six minutes for every time you're interrupted or something crazy like that. I think you're very close, actually. I think I've read something very similar. Yeah. So if you add that up over the day, the more interruptions you allow, the more overwhelmed you will get because you're not actually giving yourself that time to control the activities that you're doing. Absolutely. It really makes sense. And this is a great reminder about social media and checking our phones and notifications, which are interruptions that you can actually take a stand on, like you can Mm -hmm. actually have an impact on. And these are interruptions that we've got so used to in our daily Mm -hmm. life. So great reminder, Shannon. That's awesome. Mm. Before we move on to boundaries, 
my last suggestion on solutions for overwhelm is to learn from someone else. I picked her brain one day in, in our podcast to say, tell me about how you think about productivity. And I learned so much from how she sees the world and borrowed some of her concepts. And I tell you what, it actually changed my productivity and changed the way that I manage my time and energy. It made a huge difference. Shami, you're a very productive person. I'm sure there's lots of things that I've learned from you in terms of the way that you manage your time. And especially we're going to be talking about self-care, the way that you carve out time for your self-care. I think that's really admirable. So do learn from others. If they are doing it, it is possible for you to do it as well. So true. So true, which goes back to your topic about mentoring as well as just asking for advice. And did you mention that women tend not to ask for help? Is that sort of a trait that you found? Yeah, I think we talked about that in the previous podcast. I think happy to ask for help, but I think that we tend to feel like we should be able to do it on our own more often than not. So true. So we'll tell our friends perhaps, but we might not have created a community of people within our businesses that we trust enough to show our vulnerability around our imposter syndromes and around our fears of capacity and all the rest of it. So I think that finding a community or people that you can trust to be vulnerable and talk about these concerns is really useful, especially when you are running a business. Your friends who aren't running businesses won't understand. They just don't. Mm. They won't. So finding a community and people that you can talk to is really helpful to help you shift how you think. So true. So true. So are we moving on to boundary setting now? I I think we should because boundaries are one of those things that outside of not asking for help, women are notoriously bad at. And this comes from a lot of our early childhood development. We're taught to be nice and we're taught to nice girl, the girl who is not so much not seen and not heard, the girl who doesn't ruffle feathers or doesn't demand what's important from her. And quite often that means that we put ourselves in the position of being, this is derisive language, but we put ourselves in the position of being walked all over. We weren't valuable enough to say this is important for me to hold my ground in this space. And so we never do it. And so then people walk all over us. And so then we feel ashamed and then we keep doing the same pattern until we learn there's another way to do it and to have the confidence to put our needs ahead of someone else's needs. And I think that's what a boundary is in my mind. It's about saying this is really important to me. I know what you want, but my needs are important as well. And that's why I have this boundary and I'm okay with setting this boundary. Absolutely. And this is probably another long conversation for us. It's about how when women do speak up, the reaction they get. Mm. And it's really interesting. I've just noticed that as well. When women start speaking up, when people are not used to it, they get quite a negative reaction. And I can understand why women don't speak up as a result of it because they're labeled in certain ways. But for another person, they might be very accepting of it. But that would be just such another awesome podcast to talk about (laughs) from my own experience. Yeah. Oh, you've (laughs) shared with me so many examples of where you've learned to set a boundary and then had to test setting that boundary and communicating that boundary. And then You're right. People don't always respond positively and we have to have the confidence to hold our ground because, again, going back to how we're often raised or how we have been raised is 
oh, well, you've got to placate those people around you. If they don't agree, then you should make them feel better as opposed to making ourselves feel better. So yes, so we won't go too deep on boundary setting because it is a big tip. One of the ways, so what is a boundary? Probably best to talk about what a boundary is. A boundary is setting your standards of how you're going to live your life of what is acceptable and not acceptable, and then communicating and acting in accordance to that. So going back to what I said before, a boundary might be I, and boundaries with work is I only work from this time to this time, and I'm not available outside of those times. A boundary might be I don't answer my phone until the end of the day is when I return my phone call so that I can focus on what needs to be done. A boundary is really important if you've got team members. So being able to set really good standards for your team members about what's acceptable and not acceptable behavior. One of the things that helps to identify a boundary is to notice when your hot buttons are getting pressed. So noticing when you're actually getting frustrated with something or feeling like your agency has been taken away where someone else is in control of your narrative. And that's where you need to put a boundary in place. And so a boundary, one of the best ways of setting boundaries is to set expectations from the start. So this is really helpful if you're a business owner and especially in service-based businesses, being able to say, I'm available here, I'm not available here. Shami, I know that you never hand out your mobile number or your email to your patients. That's a really great boundary, right? Because otherwise they're going to be calling you at potentially eight o'clock at night. Shami, I've got a rash. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also just for you to be aware of not answering emails late or just being mindful of that, that you're actually sticking to your own boundaries. Well, and that's, and people have sort of said that, oh, but I like to write my emails late at night. And I said, yeah, that's cool. You can always put a stop on your outbox so you can write the emails and send them, but don't actually have them leave your out, your in outbox, inbox. <laughs> don't let them leave your outbox until the next morning, because then you're actually telling people I don't work. I work on my time, not your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So setting expectations, checking in your hot buttons. And one of my final points around boundary setting, and again, this is very woman orientated, but we apologize for the boundary. I'm sorry, but I don't answer my phone. Why are you sorry? Don't be sorry. That's important to you. I don't answer my phone here. And I learned that many years ago, especially as I was writing emails, dear Shami, I'm sorry, but, and I was like, am I sorry? No, I'm not. I'm just conditioned to say I'm sorry. And, and it's so such I, a habit. it's such a habit. It's such a habit. It's such a habit. Someone will say something and then they'll say, I'm sorry, but here's my opinion. You're allowed to have your opinion as long as you're not being inappropriate. We apologize. So never explain your boundaries with an apology because you're basically asking for permission from the other person to have that boundary. That boundary mm-hmm. is your boundary. It actually affects no one else because no one else is living your life. The boundary you set is to set up controls within your environment that says this is how I'm doing life because I'm not doing your life. I'm doing my life. What a great mm. tip. Absolutely. And a great reminder. And you mentioned a couple of things which are really important, you know, just conditioning from a young age of speaking out, actually voicing your opinions, mm-hmm. and many might not have the opportunity. So it's just learning and providing that confidence to be okay with your opinion. Like you do 
have something important to say, but that takes time to develop as oh, well. Absolutely. I would never, ever say to someone, go out, write your boundaries, set them, and then go forth into the world, especially if this is new to you. My challenge or my suggestion to you, if boundaries are new for you, is try one on try a new boundary and just see how it feels. And it'll probably feel really uncomfortable, but just see what the impact of that is to then set a priority for setting more boundaries that help you create the life that you want to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So start with a tiny step, yeah. which I yeah. love. Well, that's life, yeah. isn't it? Everything's a tiny step if you want to create change. Absolutely. So let's move on to self-care, Shannon. Mm. Well, I think these are great suggestions because they do run into each other because setting boundaries is about self-care. It's actually about looking after your own self-interest and knowing that you care enough about yourself to demand that's a very strong word, but to demand that this is important to me. I care enough about myself that I want to set this boundary in place because I'm important. So I think self-care is actually a little bit about reminding yourself that you are important, that your needs are important. And those needs are around boundary setting or when you're in overwhelm, prioritizing and being okay with saying that's not priority for me right now because I care enough about myself to care for myself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and often I do see it from, you know, just from my perspective of seeing patients who are business owners and juggling all these roles, it is the lack of often time for self-care or not even prioritizing it, it becomes like this never ending to-do list of just getting through, you're wearing all these hats, you've got all these tasks to do. And it is the re-education of self-care is needed. It becomes such a priority for you to be well, both mentally and physically as well. Mm, yeah. So I think one of the things with self-care is having defining it for you, what does self-care mean for you in particular? Because, Jamie, I know that you quite enjoy getting a massage every now and again as part of your self-care activities. Massage for me is actually something that is very stressful. <laughs> and I feel like I'm too tense. Self-care for me, I'm ambivert. I didn't realize that this existed, but it's an outgoing introvert. So I'm quite introverted. I need time away from people to recharge. So self-care for me is I call them non-human days where I don't actually have contact with anyone. I don't respond to text messages. I don't engage on social media. I don't make phone calls. I try not to. I'll be very careful about who I spend my time with on my non-human days. That is my self-care activity. Now I say this, I don't have children. So it comes with a caveat that I know. <laughs> so it is possible. Uh, but really defining what does self-care mean for you. And again, it might be something that's a new concept for, for our listeners. So finding ways that other people do self-care is a good way to learn what self-care is. And also then that mindset around self-care, because self-care might be simply lying in bed with a cup of tea for an extra half an hour on the weekend. You know, that can be enough self-care if you're not actually doing any self-care for yourself to start off with. So defining what it is. I think when women in particular are running very challenging lives with many activities, business, partners, children, family, what have you, putting it in the diary 
is about setting a boundary for your self-care. If it's not in your diary, it will not happen. If you're not carving time out for it, it won't happen. So putting it in the diary is really important. One of the things that is worthwhile noting though, I guarantee you as soon as you put a self-care activity in the diary, it's going to be challenged. <laughs> someone, someone will someone will come in over, to, over the top. <laughs> that goes back so to true. setting a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sort of setting a boundary and prioritizing this, that this is important. This is important and this is actually urgent. So it gets, everything else gets deprioritized because my my health, my well-being has to be the most important thing because you can't give to others if you haven't fed your, what's the airplane thing? So, you know, you've got to put your oxygen tank on first before you can possibly give the oxygen to everyone else. So absolutely. And a great reminder for 2023, you know, just embarking on this journey of do you prioritize self-care and how much you value it? It's an important meeting with a client or it's a new business relationship. It is just as high a priority. And imagine what that would do to you in terms of just feeling better as a result, reducing the stress level. Absolutely. Especially if you've been unwell, which I know that a lot of women do. I've got lots of clients who are really sick at the moment because we're recording this in December. So we're in that sort of downhill to Christmas. A lot of women clients are really sick because they have just deprioritized their health for so long under quite stressful conditions. And yet they're burning themselves out, which means they're constantly getting sick, which means they're actually... It, doing themselves a disservice for their business and their kids and their partners and their families because their energy is not at the level that it could be if they were reinvesting in their own health and well-being. So looking from that concept of if I spent this half an hour, hour, whatever, investing in my self-care, what will that actually give me in the long run? Thinking about it as an investment, it's like a savings plan, right? It's a compounding savings plan. Absolutely. And I love how you say an investment. It is an investment in the long run. You may not feel the immediate effects of, oh, I could have done a bit more work or I've done, you know, reply to a few more emails. But in the long run, you will definitely see the difference of just that clarity of mind and just the energy as well to make better decisions. And you mentioned earlier, Shannon, about, you know, how I'm productive. And I think one of the things is I just make quick decisions and I'm just going, right, let's just go mm -hmm. for it and just be okay with it. And it's funny because I was just speaking to a colleague of mine and we were saying how, you know, we can spend all this time going, oh, is it the right font and the right size and what color? And you know, just, you know, spend time on unnecessary things. It's just making quicker decisions, but it really just comes down to, you know, my daily meditation, movement, those kind of practices that I prioritize as well. But it, it was a journey of discovery to get to this point. It didn't start that way. So um, it was really important to know. Thank you, Shannon. Mm, no, thank you. And probably the last thing on self-care is just about building routines around self-care that can actually help you sort of mention meditation and exercise. I know that my self-care in the morning is a routine. So now it's so routine, I don't even think about it. I do these things, which is just part of what I do in life now. And my world, and again, I don't have children, but my world has changed to accept that so what i what i mean by that is my environment is not impacting my ability to run my routine because i've just run the routine so many times yes Does that, yeah that, that makes, sense. makes sense 
apps it's it's become so automated that it's just part of your day now yeah just like you're you're brushing your teeth it just becomes so automated exactly exactly to accept that what i mean by that is my environment is not impacting my ability to run my routine because i've just run the routine so many times and i mentioned on our pre-chat the last thing about mums with self-care i say this in the idea that i appreciate how challenging it is to be a mum Probably saying self-care when you've got kids, especially young kids that you are 100% on all the time with them can be really hard to carve out some silence. But if you can create an environment where you are engaging the family with self-care, this is about changing your mindset around self-care because I think most of us think self-care is getting a massage, getting a manicure, sitting quietly. It doesn't have to be like there are other ways that you can create self-care. It's about how you label the activity. And if you can engage the family in it, then it gives you greater permission to take that self-care activity it will reduce the guilt around it and it will also just mean that the family is involved it's more likely to be done as a result of engaging with the family in the activity so just see what ways you could actually engage the family in your self-care activity to make it easier for you to do it amazing thank you so much shannon for today packed with tips i love it i think this is a brilliant one to listen to again and again and shannon before we leave you where can people find you are there any exciting projects on the way for you yeah absolutely so my website is probably the easiest way to find me it's inspired-outcomes.com and that'll be in the show notes i have got group programs starting this is going to be in march so we'll be starting those in april a second round. So they'll be face-to-face and online group masterminds for small and micro business owners. So if that's something that you're curious about having a community of like-minded business owners on the journey with you, focusing on building your cash flow, building your mental well-being around being a business owner, then get in touch around those group masterminds. Fantastic, Shani. That sounds really exciting. And we'll share the links on the show notes. So thank you so much, Shani. Thank you, Shami. Lovely to be here. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health. Enjoy the journey.